We welcome you to the Watchers of the Skies program. I'm Carlos Campo, my colleague, Dennis Montecrucis. Hey, Dennis, glad you're here. Wouldn't miss it for the world. You know, we're here at Ashland University, one of the great universities in the Midwest. We're joined by some of the most talented young people around. We've got Bryn and Brandon Gages running the show. Captain Dave McCoy's on that camera. We've got Stephen right here. It's a great place to be. You know, Dennis, we try to come to contemporary events on this program and look at them with an objective eye. Is there such a thing as an objective eye? You're a philosopher. What do you think? I would be in the minority and say, yes, there is. Actually, I think it's becoming the minority position in philosophy. Is that right? Yeah. No such thing as an objective position. I read these AP stories. For, there was no chance AP could have written some of the things I, I read now in terms of coloring news articles that once upon a time had to be completely objective. They, you know, there was a right. panel that would review them, and wait a minute, that word colors it and seems to, oh well. But that, yeah. you're saying in philosophy they've uh, kind of thrown in the towel a little bit as well? Well, I would say there was a period where the trend was very much against the idea of objectivity, this idea of a view from nowhere, and now I think what they try to say is that there, there are perspectives, but it doesn't necessarily reject the, or doesn't prove that there's no such thing as an ob objective truth, right? So it's partial, but okay. you can make progress, you can get things right, even if it's only partial, and you always have to be aware of your perspective, so. Well, I, if we get things right partially here, what do you think? We've done, we've done well. I would think so. Okay. I think we, we, we do a decent job. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll always try to do better. But in your yeah. objective opinion. In my objective That's opinion. Right. We yeah. do well. Well, we're taking on the red, white, and blue lady takes on the gray lady in our next uh, topic. Folks are hearing about this. Sarah Palin takes on the New York Times. We, we want to delve into this a little bit, Dennis. Maybe you can frame it for our listeners. We know there was this lawsuit, but give us this broader picture before we make some comments about it. Sure. Okay. So back in 2011, mm. Arizona Congresswoman Gabby Giffords was, yes. was shot uh, by, I think the guy's name was Jared Loeffner. Mm. And even at that time, there was um, a complaint about Palin that, or about her political action committee right. that they had this map and it had these, these bullseye targets on them. Now, even back then, it was criticized or there was, there was pushback against this that, uh, that there was no endorsement of political violence. That was first. Secondly, it was the bullseyes were on the districts, not on the people, actual people. Not on people, that's right. right. And, um, and that these, this was really a kind of a common thing. I mean, this was not like some sort of invention of the right and you know, some indication that they're trigger happy and, and anything like that. It's just kind of a, a trope, and it's just unfortunate that, you know, it's just juxtaposing this kind of generic trope of, you know, let's, let's target this area uh, for campaigning versus what actually happened to Gabby Giffords. Okay, so that happened in 2011. Fast forward to 2017, there's a story on political violence. And as an example of political violence on the right, they gave this as an example, again, referring to Sarah Palin's Pack mm -hmm. showing these, these targeted bullseyes of the districts. And immediately, well, and this, was, this was published in the New York Times, again, on a story on political violence in general. So almost immediately, uh, there was pushback from, including from Times reporters uh, and, and columnists like Ross Douthat, mm -hmm. who said, no, 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 this, is, this, this was wrong. In fact, you know, this was debunked six years ago. Right. A few weeks later, Sarah Palin files a lawsuit for defamation, a libel lawsuit against the Times. Now, it went to a certain judge, who turned out to be the same judge, Judge Rakoff, yes. and he threw it out. So he, and and the, the basis 
where, where essentially the standard it has to meet is one that was in a, a, another New York Times um, lawsuit from, well, it was, I'm not sure what year the, the Times lawsuit was from, but the Supreme Court decision was in 1964, right. Times v. Sullivan. And what they, what they found was that in addition to what needs to be present for, for, um, for libel, when it's a public figure, it also has to, uh, to reach this, this very high standard of what's called actual malice. That's it. Right, and, and to prove that, that the, uh, the, it the was publisher- wrong. Right. Intentionally, right. maliciously right. set out, right? Right, exactly, that, that it was deliberate, yes. that, that, and it was with the intention of harming this, this public figure. Correct. Right, and it's considered to be an extremely high standard. Um, and so Judge Rakoff thought, well, this standard can't be met. And a lot of people agree with this. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. so this is not a crazy view. And he's, he's actually, he's, he's a Clinton appointee, and so some think that this is uh, politically motivated, but he's extremely well respected. Yes. And it's, it's again, I, I mean, I read plenty of commentators on the right as well who feel that this, the standard is so high mm -hmm. that it, it can't be met. Mm -hmm. At any rate, Palin challenged this, and it was decided by the Court of Appeals, go right back, have a trial, and, and, and test it on the facts, that there, right. are, there are these, these certain areas of fact mm -hmm. where, you know, at least the case can be made. They can try to make the case. Yes. Doesn't mean that they'll win, mm -hmm. but give it a shot. Okay, so that brings us back to the current trial, which again is before Judge Rakoff. Mm -hmm. And so the trial went on, and once, once the jury was deliberating, right. all of a sudden, the judge decides to make a finding that says essentially, it doesn't matter what the, ju what, the, what the jury finds, you can't meet this actual malice standard. Right. Let's, so as far as I'm concerned, chuck it, um, regardless of what, what they do. But we'll let the jury keep deliberating. <laughs> and, um, and we'll trust that you know, they'll, they'll come up with their, their finding, whatever it is. And if it goes on appeal, then this will you know, be, be ammo for whichever side wants to appeal, one way right. or another. And, and he was also unconcerned. He said, well, they're going to be, they're still going to make up their mind independently. They're sequestered. Right. Well, they weren't sequestered. No, they weren't sequestered. Oh, they, 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 they were, were not, not sequestered. Ah. Mm. Yeah. So, but, but hey, they're fair-minded. They understood the jury instructions. Oh, they that, were, that, and that they was, were carefully given. That's right. Right. They, yeah. They were carefully given these jury instructions. They understood it. And um, so, no problem. So, of course, they come back the next day. They say, yeah, we're finding for the New York Times. Everything is, everything is uh, okay. Interestingly, in his statement afterward, Judge Rakoff said, okay, guys, don't talk to the press <laughs> afterward. You know, thank, thank you for doing your duty. Don't talk to the press. Um, but they did. But they did. And it came out that, of course, they did hear about this. They, they, didn't, they didn't search for it, so they, it wasn't. But push, there, were, there were push notifications. Push right. Phone. It would be funny, especially if these were push notifications from the, from the New, New York, York Times. Times. Right. <laughs> so, so they learned about it. And of course they said, well, it didn't influence us, but come on. I mean, if, if you read that the, the judge himself says, you know, there, there's no basis for this lawsuit to, to, to succeed, you know, what do you, and, that, that, and, and the standard is that no reasonable person. Yes, that's could, a direct quote. Right, no reasonable person <laughs> could, could find for, for Palin. Well, I I'm do. a reasonable person, <laughs> I you know, what, what am I gonna do? Channel. So, the whole thing is a complete mess. I mean, it, it could, could lead to a mistrial. It obviously gives you know, any, any uh, number of grounds for appeal. And, and it's unprecedented. So, I mean, I've heard, you know, I've, I've heard nobody say that this is a normal thing. Right. That, that he, could have, he could have killed the trial. Well, he could have, well, the other thing is he couldn't kill it in advance because 
the, um, the grounds for which he, he made his decision essentially just circumvent the whole appeal, which said that there are these three, these three uh, areas of matter of fact that can be investigated. Can be investigated, and that's why the trial. Right. And, and I think that's what's puzzling to a lot of our listeners and folks who are in on this, Dennis. If we're going to have a jury trial, but that jury, in essence, their, their ruling would have no bearing, then why have a jury trial? Why not put it before the judge again? I, I, I guess that's one of the things that was puzzling to many people. Right. Well, well I think there they had to. I, mean, I think that was the part of the, part of the, uh, the appeals. Right. Right. That, again, there are these matters of fact, and the matters of fact are for or for the, um, the, the jury to decide, to assess. Now, on the matters of the law, there the judge can, can say, right, even, as, even if the matters of fact are right, the, Sorry, the, the law, law trumps that, so you can still have that, right? So there's a place for the judge. The judge could have made the exact same ruling, sure. but just waited until the yes. jury, and without that, that bit of uh, yes, you know, potential would. coaching, exactly. had, had come into play. But, but yeah, so, so the judge could have said what he said. That wasn't, the, that wasn't a problem. Either uh, they had the, uh, the right to do that or to make the decision that he did. Those are both, you know, eminently defensible. But what was not defensible was, again, the way he did it, right? That, again, it, it just sort of pulls the rug out from, from the jury and disregards the whole appeal that was prior to that that said that these factual matters were ought material. to be assessed. They, they need material. to be assessed. Yeah, right. they're material. And, and I think that's... You know, I even read in some of these articles where they called out the occupations of the jurors. I found that really offensive. You know, one was a refrigerator repairman or something along those lines. Okay. And how is that material? And this whole idea right. that, well, I'm a judge. And he seems to be a thoughtful man and certainly learned and mm -hmm. capable and all of those things. So this was not a sudden knee-jerk decision that he made and you think of the rationale so what would be the rationale for doing it early what else could have been his motivation for making that ruling early on rather than waiting and allowing the jury to decide because they did deliberate for an entire day they asked for more information is that right isn't that what you read that i'm not sure yeah, yeah. They, they'd made a request okay. for some additional okay. testimony and some information so it wasn't a slam dunk it, it right. wasn't a two-hour or a ten-minute deliberation they right. deliberated for a day for a day they asked for further information and then this statement is made so uh, right i I, I, I was under the impression they were sequestered, but no, no. you're right, they did yeah. obviously get those push notifications. And it's this whole idea, well, how should, how should one think about these things? You know, we often talk about being at a college or university and a lot of young people sitting in a classroom where this is the smartest person they've ever heard in their lives before. How impressionable are they? How might they be right. moved by these things that are being said? So here's the parallel in the courtroom where these jurors now are left with okay, the judge pretty much has, not pretty much, has, yeah. has decided the ultimate outcome here. And so where does Palin go from here? You know, there's lots of talk about, you know, some sort of appeal. There was even this discussion of she's not paying for any of this, right? Someone's clearly backing her. I think it was, uh, was it Hulk Hogan who had, mm -hmm. you know. Yes, Gawker, I think it was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right, that now is defunct, right? right. So his, he, he wins his lawsuit. And so, and his lawyer evidently was there taking copious notes, you know, will he somehow hmm. uh, help Palin in the future? Uh, will this go to the Supreme Court? Uh, you may recall that there were at least, at least one justice did make some comments about Sullivan and, right, right, you know, right. is the bridge too far and maybe do we pull it back a little bit? Right. Although, I mean, I wonder about the ex post facto right. notion. So even if it does go to the Supreme Court, 
they, they might reject the Sullivan Standard, but still I think the New York Times would presumably be safe from, from paying a fine because they would say, well, we were operating under the Sullivan Standard, and so as far as that goes, we were, mm. we were all right. So, I mean, I'm not even sure in that case if they would, would lose. But, um, but, but the Sullivan Standard might be changed. Might be might changed be, right, they might change that framework. Well, I know from a philosophical perspective, then I'll, I'll ask you this, because I think we're both of, of a mind that the standard should be really high. You know, we, uh, this whole idea of attack on journalism and whatnot is anathema to us. Uh, we believe in the power of journalism, especially when it's done right, and we really? think it, you know, it should be better. And let's also be frank, you know, when I hear that this man, Bennett was, I right. think his name right, sighs this four-year sigh of relief. Well, I'll tell you what, buddy, it was horrible what you wrote. It was yeah. horrible. And, and you, you knew, you knew in, in many ways what you were doing. If you read the emails, uh, and that's one of the things that bothers me, if you read the emails of this little coterie of folks who wrote the article, you know, they were all of a mind, and they right. were Palin bashers and haters. And, and I don't think that's a small thing just in terms of your journalists. Right. Right. Isn't there one in your camp who's going to hold up a stop sign? Isn't there somebody? This is the New York Times. You know, this is uh, an, an institution, right, in terms of journalistic power, credible writers there. And now the Times has become, at least for some people on the right, sort of like the, you know, uh, whipping Boy, right. So, right. It, it, if you if you subscribe to the Times, you've got to be a leftist or something. You know, it's uh, so. I guess my my point in all of that is, we probably are right there with folks to say I'm not sure about lessening the Sullivan standard at all. But how do we help ensure that this sort of journalistic journalistic attempt right. to get at the facts is, is tempered a little. Will, will this case perhaps help folks think a little bit before they write something which seems pretty careless? Well, but it's difficult. I mean, so yeah. if you have that high standard, I mean, the institutional numbers, right, for, you know, liberal versus conservative going into journalism schools, coming out of journalism schools, right? Uh, I mean, there aren't very many, by percentage, um, conservative papers. Right, and, and certainly the New York Times is, you know, it's the paper. It's the, right. you know, the paper of record. It is. So, um, and, and all that's fit to print. That's right, all the news that's fit to print. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and some of it maybe <laughs> might not be. But it's very difficult. I mean, if you don't have conservative journalist, journalism schools or you don't have conservatives going into journalism who are, you know, you can still, I mean, I, I think to some extent, I mean, it's a liberal enterprise by its nature, right? So you're, you're taking on the powers that be. So in that sense, it, it's kind of implicitly anti-conservative, uh, at least this, this kind of classic, you know, little guy, you know, speaking truth to power mm -hmm. sense. So, I mean, it, it encourages that. But if then the institution is, uh, it's institutionally liberal, then, well, you're, you're the power now, right? You, the dog has caught the car. Mm. What do you do now? What, what's next? Yeah. Right. So that, that's, that's a difficulty. So... Well, our listeners know, Dennis, that I often ask you to look into your crystal ball because uh, you're both prophet and preacher. Oh, and geez. Yeah, probably not. But, but think about this. Where, where, where does this go next? What, what is your sense? Will the Supreme Court take this back up again? Is Palin uh, going to move this forward? What, what is your sense from what you've been reading? Well, I'm not, I'm not sure if it goes there next. I mean, so no, I, I right. think, I mean, the, right, like this, this would be this nightmare of Rakoff, you know, until he's, oh, no. you know, <laughs> 95 <laughs> years old and has to keep uh, doing Palin trials. <laughs> So I, I don't know if it goes to appeals and they say, you know, you, you messed yeah. this up and you have to do this again. Right. So who knows how long it would be before it got to the Supreme Court. Um, 
So you're right. I mean, I think I think it was Thomas, Justice Thomas, was yes, one of the people who was. seems to you know have a little bit of an itch to maybe revisit the uh, the Sullivan. Uh, Times v. Sullivan re, um, ruling, but I'm not sure that that's the majority. From what I read, it, it's not clear that even half are are thought to be at least uh, likely to to really seriously reconsider it. So, yeah, I think you're right that it probably would not be overturned. Right, and and it may be. You know, you never know what motivates someone to take an action like this. Sarah Palin's reputation, she certainly is kind of a bulldog reputation. Right. I think that's fair. You know, she wants to push back, and I think it's very likely she got a lot of support, whether it was truly cash support. I think estimates said it's about a million dollars probably in, okay. in legal fees for what she's done so far. If it goes to the Supreme Court, I saw estimates up to $5 million. That's is it worth point. it, right, for right. her to take this on personally? But, you know, is it not perhaps to, to basically throw down a gauntlet to say, Maybe enough has been done, right? So this was this was harmful to me. This was unfair to me, and perhaps this is all she really was trying to accomplish, and 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 then moves on. It, it's hard to say. Perhaps I think one thing I saw too that's interesting, and I, I guess it's institutional at the times, was that she wanted an apology, and I guess they just they 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 should a retraction the next day yes, after they after did. right away, right, right away, yeah. But but they never explicitly apologized mm -hmm. to her, so I don't know if that's. I mean, that's not. Uh, obviously a cure-all, but it would be a nice, let's say, um, kind of policy change sure. at the, the newspaper level, and I don't know. I mean, that's, again, not a, not a full solution by any means, but right. could be an improvement. I, I'm not a lawyer, but I spend probably too much time around the legal folks, and I'm guessing that that could make them vulnerable in some sense, that mm -hmm. even if it okay. did in any way, they probably would say, it's nice to think that way and maybe call her and make sure she's not recording and tell her that, <laughs> but if you put it in print, it may, in a future case, right. be, be something they would yeah. take up. But I think these are interesting developments. There's no question that this will be challenged again in the future. It may be another topic that we'll take up. But I think these are important elements that relate to freedom of speech, one of our favorite topics. Right. Well, let, let me ask you a look into your crystal ball. Well, my, mine's yeah. a little cloudy, but go yeah, ahead. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll yeah. do it anyway. Do you think that this, this case will influence J schools in mm -hmm. any way mm -hmm. to, uh, to maybe be more careful to have, let's say, uh, the equivalent of a, of a conservative ombudsman. I remember the New York Times for years had an ombudsman, yes. and they just did away with this uh, right. several years ago. Mm -hmm. but, but they did for, for some years. I think, what was it, Stephen Brill had this um, kind of ombudsman uh, organization, in effect, that started maybe 20, 25 years ago. And I think that finally closed down at some point as well. Right. But, but with the kind of a similar mind. I mean, right. what do you think um, J-Schools might do? You know, I think at the very least it will, because it's so much in the national conversation, that it's something that they should be aware of. I'm sure here at Ashland University it's part of the discussion. And this continued call for objective journalism is something that here and I hope elsewhere will continue. This whole idea of uh, a, a real change, it's, it's hard to say. It is hard to say, as you talked about, this idea of you know, what begets another generation of thinkers. But that's why we have the Watchers of the Skies program, Dennis. One of the reasons we have it is to continue to call ourselves out and call out the educational community and the community at large to think about these issues. We're grateful that we have a format like this and we live in a country and we're at an institution where we can have these discussions. Thank you for joining us on the Watchers of the Skies program. We'll see you next time.